If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought them. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Film Drifters. Our show provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. Hi, everybody. Today, we'll be reviewing the film Nomadland, and we'll be taking a look at the Golden Globes winners and losers. Golden Globes, of course, just took place this past Sunday. We will talk through what we thought about who won, who lost, and all the controversy surrounding um, the Golden Globes this past week. And also joining us yet again is our friend of the pod, Kat Loznikova. Thank you for joining us. Woo, woo, woo. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't be more thrilled to be back <laughs> again. Um I love it. Thanks for having me and trusting me with this uh, big episode. Yeah, this is becoming like a, a normal thing, but we're so happy that you're here. Uh, we, you bring like a certain energy, I think, to the show, and uh, we appreciate that energy. It, it's a little bit more unpredictable, I, I would say, and, and unpredictability <laughs> is good. Wouldn't you say, Will? We expect this. We expect you to always be one above now. You got to keep mo- moving the bar up. All right, Kat? I'm here to move it all the way up. (laughs) Well, you said we expect it, but if you expect unpredictability, then unpredictability then becomes predictability, predictable. I'm, I'm confusing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confusing myself, apparently. So opening it up, it's been a a minute since our last recording for a variety of reasons. Uh, First off, my son was born. Um, He came to us a little more than two weeks ago. So uh, Yeah, that's exciting. And uh, what's his full name? Marcus Leonard Kim. Marcus Leonard Kim, ladies and gentlemen. I have never, I think this is the first Korean boy I have ever heard named Marcus Leonard. Yeah. It's a very strong name, right? It's a a very, very. And a face of an angel. Yes. When he's not like, when it's not shriveled up in in, uh, tears and crying. (laughs) But uh, yeah, 99% of the time, I would say he does have a face of an angel. But yeah. Uh, you know, wife and I are doing good. He's actually remarkably chill. And they say when the first baby is chill, the second one is the opposite. So far, we've had two chill babies, knock on wood. And hopefully, it stays that way. Yeah. I'm but, just uh, waiting for that one day to ask you, who's your favorite son? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, right now, it's Miles for sure. <laughs> because oh. all, all Marcus does is eat, sleep, and poo, you know? So, That's uh, true. And, and look cute. But uh, Miles, you know. Because he's starting to get all clingy and like, you know, starting to give hugs and smiles and kisses. So, uh, of course, it's Miles so far. I had Marcus a little bit on the older side um, to let everyone know I'm 40. So, yeah, when Marcus graduates high school, I'm going to be 58, which means uh, I can probably qualify for like senior citizen discounts and stuff <laughs> at that point. So it's it's a little bit crazy to think of things in that way. But Yo, uh, look, we're still really you're gonna happy. Be, you're going to be 58. But... Let's be honest. You're still gonna look like you're 40. Hopefully, we'll see. Anyway, moving on, moving on. All right. So, like I said, we got a a jam-packed show for you. We're going to be reviewing the film No Man Land, written and directed by Chloe Zhao. But before that, we're going to get started with a rundown on the latest in in entertainment news. Today, we're going to be talking about the Golden Globes, the winners, the losers. But before we get to that, I want to talk about this apparent scandal that was brought to light by the uh, LA Times. And uh, in this long and lengthy article, they talked about how the 87 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press, they lack any kind of racial diversity. Everyone's basically white. They're very exclusive and picky about who's allowed in to their little organization. 
basically they have a history of questionable nominations. And apparently that's been tied to uh, moments where certain shows or movies have been whining and dining and let's say trading. Um, I would maybe bribes is too strong a word, but basically trading swag. Lobbying. Yeah. Lobbying mm-hmm. and giving them gifts in exchange for nominations. Now, mm-hmm. After reading kind of the accusations and the things brought up, I just want to get your reactions. What do you guys think of this whole thing? Is there, is it one of those things where where there's smoke, there's fire, or was was this article really just trying to stir the pot? Uh, and there's really not a lot going on there. I can't really say whether or not because these are accusations, but even if it is true, I honestly would say I'm not surprised. Really, uh, in terms of way the way how Hollywood's been running. Uh, and yeah, I'm just not shocked. I'm not surprised at all. Um, I'm actually leaning towards, um, believing it. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been to a few award shows and it it just, it's all a system. It's all a system. You know, it's a huge, huge industry where obviously someone is going to profit. So why not, you know, make certain deals which do happen um i've seen at award ceremonies where let's say the performer or the actor knows they're not going to win they don't show up and those who know Mm -hmm. they will win uh actually perform on stage those are deals being made behind the scenes and um it's it's just it's not shocking all of these I know there's a saying that award shows are dead, um, and I think they are because it's a gener- they were all created by a generation that is not um, consistent with the times we live in, and it's being more apparent with every year. Um, and unfortunately, the Golden Globes are just um, another one that's um, crumbling. There were a lot of people like kind of pushing for the Golden Globes to, you know, just not happen anymore and for the Hollywood foreign press to disband. But if there's one thing that we got from this uh, award show is that I feel like the bond between Hollywood and the four Hollywood foreign press is stronger than ever because these movies need this award show as a platform. It helps them get the word out about the movies. And not only that, but if they want to win the Academy Award, this is kind of like the starting block for, for that. And you have to ask if the Oscars are at the finish line, then the golden globes are the starting point. Right. So, uh, I don't think anything is going to change. And uh, even if the the members all of a sudden become more ethnically diverse, I still think you know it's going to be more of the same. Um, I, I, for one, though, just don't want to see like stage musicals get nominated for Best Picture because <laughs> it's a different art form. You know, I don't want to see oh, shot live. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to see The Martian get nominated for Best Comedy slash Musical. And oh I don't want to see The Tourist get nominated for anything. You know, and I definitely okay. I watched a few episodes of Emily in Paris. It's a passable, serviceable show, and the fact that it got like nominations—that's a little shocking. You know, it's it's turned into a meme at this point. You know, mm-hmm. it's more than shocking. I watched the whole thing over the summer when it dropped because it was during quarantine, and it's digestible as bubble gum. You sit on it. <laughs> And you chew for a minute and you're like, it has flavor. It doesn't. And then you spit it out and you move on. So now let's get to the awards. Uh, you know, we've talked definitely enough about all that stuff. But when it came came down to the awards, it feels as though there weren't a lot of surprises. But, you know, there were a couple, I would say. Uh, what were the surprises that stuck out to you all? Uh, my biggest surprise was how much everyone 
was aware of the controversy surrounding the Globes and how much the Globes tried to come through as this diverse show, <laughs> even by bringing out like three members, yeah, yeah. three most diverse members of. Uh, <laughs> it was so ridiculous because it was so planned. There was like one Indian lady, and yeah, then a yeah, Caucasian right. lady, and an old and one European guy from Turkey. Man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and they had to make sure to put in parentheses exactly what country they were yeah. from, just in case, you know. That was hilarious, and that was their way to show we're diverse. And even some of the awards that were going out or you know being awarded, I, I was watching it, wondering, would these same awards be given out if there wasn't a controversy? If for some reason there wasn't all of this murmur and talk surrounding the show, I couldn't help but mm. wonder, was it them trying to make up for yeah. the scandal? Yeah. Or were they actually trying to be like honest about, about what they were doing? I think a couple of awards uh, come to mind as you bring that point up, Kat. And the first is Minari winning uh, Best Foreign Language Film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't help but think that that was like, I would have bet my my life <laughs> on on the fact that they were going to win that because of the controversy that led up to them getting a foreign language nomination instead of a Best Picture nomination. So that was one point. And the other one, which was a huge surprise for me, was, I believe her name is Andre Day winning for uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday. I hadn't even heard about this movie, and I, I don't know who she is. Yeah. And everyone thought that it would oh, be yeah. like Frances McDormand winning, and it's awesome that she won, and she looked just amazed, surprised, and it was such an awesome moment. But it, I couldn't help but think maybe the same thing. I have yet to see the movie, and I'm sure she was well-deserving, but that's kind of what you're saying, right? Do you th- Are you asking the question, uh, Was the were the recipients more diverse to try to make up for this thing that came to life? Even um, even the best director category, uh, yeah. obviously, Clo Zhao won um, the award, and she's the second woman ever mm. and first uh, woman and the first of color to win best director. And I'm just wondering, would they have given it to, let's say, another female director? Wasn't this if there wasn't this like lens of hmm. controversy I, I i it's awful in so many ways that we have to talk about yeah. it but it's unavoidable because of the way the awards have gone on before i'm i was wondering would they have given that award let's say to the promising young woman or 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 something else just to make up oh hey we're giving this to a female you know we're making history we're giving this to a female director and maybe would have overlooked let's say Chloe, um, but maybe this year they awarded it to make up for the female director category and the race category. And it just sounds so insulting in so many ways to have this conversation and question the distribution of awards in 2021. But it just seems like... People are still asking that question in the back of their mind. You know, I think it's okay to talk about it, right? And, you know, going through the, the other list of winners that, you know, kind of might have be called into question uh, based off of what we're talking about. Uh, for the works that I've seen, I would have to say for the most part, the winners were all very much deserving. And, uh, you know, I've yet to see the United States versus Billie Holiday. But like we have, you know, of course, Daniel Kaluuya winning for Judas and the Black Messiah. He was phenomenal. 
Um, Chadwick Boseman winning from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think that was not a surprise, even though I would have very much liked to see Riz Ahmed win that. Chadwick Boseman was still amazing. Yeah. 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 But Love what Riz. an emotional what an emotional speech yeah. from his wife as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was in tears. Super. Yeah. yeah the super most emotional. touching. And I think it, we all needed to see that yeah. because the way uh, the Globes were set up this year uh, to make up for COVID um, and the Zoom, it was unbearable to listen to some of the acceptance speeches. And I think hers was yeah. the most real and genuine and exactly what, uh, you know, everyone needed to hear yeah. at this time. Speak, speaking yeah. about the Zoom, like I was thinking, oh, this is the Golden Globes. They must have some sort of like high tech stuff set up. Right. Nope. And then uh, as soon as Daniel Kaluuya won and he had himself on mute, <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy crap, they're just using like OBS and Zoom. And the, the, the guy had himself on mute. Let's, I'm like, oh my yep. gosh. Yep. So Celebrities, they're just like us. I know, right? <laughs> it was literally it was literally like a flashback of what we worked on last year, Myron, where it was like trying to do sessions with Zooms. Yeah. Remember? And, and just knowing... Uh, it, it, when I when I when I heard this mic muted and he was trying to talk and it was just like yeah. that awkward silence for like fifteen <laughs> seconds, I was like, "Bro, bro, unmute, yeah. unmute." But it was great how Daniel stepped in saying, "You're not taking this away from yeah. me. Like, you you ain't gonna shorthand me right now." And and he just ain't no one shorthanded you, know, you, bro. You did it to yourself. <laughs> you had yourself on mute, man. <laughs> I um I actually have a couple of notes yeah. on this on the Zoom just overall um aside from it being so awkward for any kind of actor interactions and us seeing into the lives of all of these people um like trying to navigate modern day technology um for me the biggest thing was missing the the room full of actors having one on one interactions yeah. because I think that's where a lot of the behind the scenes into this world um, that we get and missing the host interacting yeah. with um, the actors. I think those are the moments that make those shows. And I think that's why we watch it, <clears throat> you know, for, for those genuine, yeah. real and real moments. And you don't get that from Zoom. I also thought it was kind of funny to have everyone dress up and sit on their couch in this glam yeah. <laughs> and just kind of nod and just you know, hopefully hear it's just just all just all of it was really awkward for the lack of a better word yeah, and was. um i also really missed the the pans of the audience of the yeah. group of, you know of the audience in the theater just to see that yeah. grandeur of this award show, yeah. it was honestly just like sitting through another Zoom meeting with these people that were sort of familiar, but not really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, when they posted in the past, they were downright hilarious. I mean, just as funny as Ricky Gervais when he hosted. But uh, to hear them kind of make fun of like actors or celebrities or even the Hollywood Foreign Press and have most of them not even in the room with them, it kind of fell flat there was a lack of connection there and you know they cracked good funny jokes but it just fell a little flat because the the people they were joking about weren't where they weren't in the room with them not only were the actors not in the room both of them were not in the room yeah. they were split screen one of them was in new york and one of them was in la Wait, and i thought whoa. that was kind of clever i thought that was kind it's of funny clever and it seemed it seemed it, it was clever and actually i have to give them props it seemed pretty seamless i didn't notice but it still i would have wanted i've wanted really that. yeah 
What? You need to watch it again. They literally said live from the uh, Hilton Hotel in Hollywood and from the Rainbow Room in, in New York City. Oh. They were not in the same room together at all. One was on the East Coast and one Did was on the, the West Coast. you not see the split screen when uh, um, Tina Fey was like, even though she's so f- like, she's actually right near me because of the new technology. And it's like another hand completely that's touching okay. Amy Poehler. I need Poehler to rewatch this. I, I obviously. It's so good. In my defense, I had a crying newborn and a toddler I was chasing around during this time. But, uh, okay, we'll give you that pass. We'll I'm you playing that pass. The, the child card. I, I will use that until as long as I can. And it was also very difficult to watch them both joke into a room of first responders yeah. who they have no connection with. It's beautiful that yeah. they were there, but they were all wearing masks yeah. and they couldn't laugh. Yeah. Right, do, you, do you know this was very awkward when they would cut to uh, a commercial break right and right before that they would show the nominees for, for the next category that they're going to announce when they come back from break and then like the actresses would all be on screen they would all kind of be smiling not quite sure what to do and some of them are trying to make small talk with the other people so weird so weird <laughs> what's interesting was like watching the actors and actresses from their home with their uh, outfits yeah you know, it kind of made me think of like, I don't know, you know, when you reminisce as kids and like one day I'm going to go to the Oscars and you see a kid dressed up for the Oscars watching in front of their TV yeah. and just kind of like trying to be a part of it. It literally looked, the, it was the epitome of yeah. that. But just they all were in actual high high end clothing and actual actors. Speaking so. of fashion, Kat, we would be remiss if we didn't at least talk about this. After all, you yes. are a stylist. I wanted to ask you, what were some of the hits and misses uh, from the Golden Globes? It's It was weird because they were most of them were at home, but I wanted to ask you what you thought about what you saw. I thought you'd never ask, thank you. Um, before I get to my hits and misses, I do have to stress how much I used to love the Golden Globes. It was the first award season, I mean, first award show of the season. Um, everything starts with the Golden Globes. It, it used to be the first show after the holiday season. We come back and we see these stars hit the red, the red carpet. It was a time when if there was a new couple coming together, it was a perfect opportunity for them to step out together. If someone split up, we would see that they were attending alone. It was a time to see which direction fashion was going. And none of that was present. And to me, I missed that the most because I think that's what the Golden Globes really gets you excited for award season because of all of the um, all of the people who attend. Um, also, the Golden Globes on honors uh, TV and film, uh, which is a great blend to see the stars from both both areas come together. Right. And again, we didn't get to see that. So I really missed the uh, watching the red carpet and all of the interviews. As far as my best dressed, um, I thought um, Anya Taylor Joy oh, yeah. and her Dior, yes. stunning, so stunning, amazing, such beautiful old Hollywood glamour. My only thing with her was when she accepted the award, her hair was just like covering half of her face, and she tried to brush it out of it, and then it kept falling over. But overall, it, it, it was beautiful. She was stunning. Um, I also love Vanessa Kirby and Gucci. And, oh, yeah. uh, mm. and um, I think my last and final favorite is Isla Fisher in uh, uh, Alex. She's wearing uh, like pink, Barry. right? Yeah, she's wearing. Very hot pink. 
I loved it. She's done a huge fuchsia moment before. I think it works for her. Um, and I loved her intera interaction with Sasha Baron Cohen. I think they brought this like real joy that comes with awards and that we probably would have seen um, in the room if the show was live. Um, and then as far as men go, I love Dunleavy. I love everything uh, about him. I think his he specs, man. <laughs> And as weird as it will sound, I love Jared Leto and yeah. Gucci. I mean, he's always in Gucci, but that like washed out beige yeah. and the flower. The, the I, I loved everything flower, about which it. Which looked mm -hmm. like she stole that from like his Joker wardrobe or something. Or, or, I loved yeah, it though. It was something. good. Yeah. What are your favorites, guys? Uh, everything that you said. But actually, I, I like Rosamund Pike's uh, dress quite a bit. It's very red pink and poofy i don't know of any other way to say it. i'm i'm obviously not a stylist I, I just say poofy poofy dress right but it looked good did you guys have any misses is there anyone you didn't like i actually wanted to bring that up right now uh, oh. there was quite a bit of a quite a few um nominees and also presenters that decided to really dress things down quite a bit there was a uh, bill murray that looked like <laughs> he was on vacation wearing like a hula shirt um there was that and there was of course joaquin phoenix that came out wearing a hoodie over his shirt and tie. It's like, is that okay given the situation and circumstances or is that just wrong? I loved Joaquin Phoenix's look. It's so him. If you guys remember, I think it was last year's Oscars when he and Rooney Mara were outside of some vegan sh food, like fast food stop, um, just eating their bur vegan burgers and laughing. I think it's so him. I didn't mind it. I think is as far as sweatshirts and hoodies go, Jason Sudeikis and his tie-dye sweatshirt, I think got the most <laughs> hate. Um, obviously, he did make it a point to say that it's um, his sister's company, I think, that he was promoting. But I think... Um, that wasn't the time or place for it. And also knowing what he's going through right now with Olivia Wilde leaving him for Harry Styles, it just made it all that much more sad yeah. that he didn't even dress up and he got such a big recognition. So, but um, I thought so many Prada looks were amiss. Um, mm. Sarah Paulson, uh. Kristen Wiig, Julia Garner, all very odd choices and we're all Prada and I thought I would never say it in my life that I didn't like a Prada look but none of them made sense hmm. to me I like Julia Garner's look because uh I don't know she's just she looked unique. like an emaciated little stick just swallowed <laughs> by this fabric uh, Kristen Wiig had these odd bows, like it was such a pretty, like minty dress, a mini with a jeweled neckline, but then it had like two bows under her boobs. Um, I don't know. Sarah Paulson's dress was like neither here nor there. She did have a cool cast, but, um, ah, it just, okay. yeah. How about Carrie Mulligan? What, what did you think about her? She looked washed out to me, like almost ill. Yeah. <laughs> mm. She definitely has a paler like complexion, I would say. Yeah, everything was just really pale and washed out on her. And I'm just like, I, I mean, I understand that's the look she was going for. And maybe uh, if she was in the audience and in real life, it looks beautiful. But we're talking Zoom. And on Zoom, you need to really punch it up. So, yeah. 
I also thought it was weird the way they did it. I mean, obviously the red carpet was a hard thing to make happen, like press photos. So it just, I feel like with them, it just all depended on what they could pull together for their photos. Mm -hmm. And some of them just weren't yeah. fair. Mm -hmm. um, I loved um, the image of uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and her like sequined, um, sequined bodysuit and these like camel pants. Mm -hmm. um, I think she was wearing Valentino. Very safari. Probably not, you know... Uh, red carpet ready but looked great in her red carpet photo that um you know went with for the show Elle Fanning looked did not look like Elle Fanning at all oh I my was gosh. wondering who is that person I was like wow that's Elle Fanning okay she's grown okay. up yeah very adult wow yeah Jeez. and uh yeah you know what guys I think we have a, a, a future in this maybe we should become like a, a fashion podcast I think. Yeah, like fashion critics. Yeah. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk down on everyone dressing during the <laughs> pandemic. All right, guys. I kind of want to bring things back around to the uh, a few more awards that I wanted to mention and Aww. just talk about before we move on. No more fashion. Uh, no kidding. more fashion, just for the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, was, I said but, but I didn't know what I was going to say after that. Anyway, uh, wanted to kind of circle back around to a few more surprises that I saw. Um, one that I was really just kind of gobsmacked by was Rosamund Pike winning for I Care A Lot. Um, I loved her in her other works. She was amazing in Gone Girl, but I Care A Lot, I did not care for at all. I did not care a lot for I Care A Lot. <laughs> you did not all. care for at Yes. Yeah. You I don't know if you guys it. have seen this, but uh, no. it starts out as one movie and then it just completely goes the other way and I just couldn't stand it. But uh, she's wow. great in everything. I'm happy for her. Um, yeah, but I... I would be surprised if she if this win carried over to the Oscars, right? Um, was it just slow for you? What was it that kind of made you just eh? Well, I mean, the movie starts out as like a, a dark comedy, kind of uh, poking fun at you know, like at the flawed system, right? And anytime a, a movie does that, I'm all I'm totally game for this. Kind of something like maybe Thank You for Smoking, right? Hmm. Uh, they're basically uh, showing these caretakers that come in and, and uh, care for these elderly people. They take care of their money. They uh, kind of make the decisions for them because they're supposedly unable to do it from themselves. And then these caretakers are trying to buck the system and they're getting wealthy on these senior citizens. So it starts out as a movie like that. But then it turns into something completely different with like the Russian mafia and uh, Peter Whoa, Dinklage what? shows up and he's got this really bad temper and he's like killing everybody. Yeah, I, I, I just did not care for the movie whatsoever. But uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. The only other one that I, I'm not mad about it, but then again, I was still kind of like, uh, you know, for the best actor in supporting role that went to Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, yeah. Kaluuya. Yeah. Uh, I I just I really really like Sasha Baron Cohen's performance in Trial of uh, Chicago Seven. Yeah. It was just, it was so good, and I I don't know. I kind of, I kind of leaned more towards Sasha's um, performance yeah. in that. Yeah. Personally, he did so. win another. Uh, he did win he one two. for Borat though. He won two. Yeah. Yeah. For for Borat the film. So and I guess the Golden Globes was like, look, he's won enough. We gotta yeah. you know set this up <laughs> to make this fair. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if you won three? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have pre pre preferred. I don't know if Chadwick Boseman was nominated in the best supporting actor category, but I did really like his work into Five Bloods. 
Mm. It would have been just nice to see Riz Ahmed win because I was just such a fan of his work in The Sound of Metal. All right, guys. That was our look at the Golden Globes. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of content, drop us a line at contactus at thefilmdrifters.com. And now on to our review of the film Nomadland. Here's a look at the trailer. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Badlands Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh, he's gonna come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. All right, that was a look at the trailer for Nomadland, written and directed by Chloe Zhao, starring Frances McDormand. Here's what the movie's about. After losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman named Fern embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. So this movie, there's a lot of talk about it. A lot of people have been just ranting and raving, not ranting, but just raving about this movie. And uh, it just came out to uh, Hulu a couple of weeks ago. We That's where we all had the chance to see it. Um, I think, Kat, you saw this before us and kind of gave us your thoughts before Will and I had a chance to see it. Uh, why don't you give us the rundown at, on what you thought about this film first? Well, the film is uh, plotless, <laughs> which um, I guess is the point of the whole nomad life is uh, dwelling and we're seeing this life. And um, I think that's its beauty and its downfall, that it's about nothing. We watch... Um, Fern uh, obviously start her light, her journey um, in a van, and we watched her continue her journey in a van from, I don't know, taking a dump in the bucket, meeting some strangers, <laughs> washing some toilets, bathing naked in a creek, um, and uh, then they see each other down the road. Um, but. But. But, but to the good part, I love the quietness of it. Yes, it's, it's just we're just like watching a snippet of another person's life. Of course, most of our lives are that kind of routine and they just it just goes on. And if someone was to make a film about that in our lives, it probably would also not be as exciting. But I did love the quietness of it. Um, I think the film has a documentary-esque approach mm -hmm. um, because our main character, of course, is uh, an award-winning actress, but everyone else in the film yeah. is real, and that mm -hmm. was very 
cool to see. Yeah. All the band dwellers. What did you guys think? Yeah. yeah. You know, going back to what you said, how this film is plotless, I get what you mean in that there's no like traditional three act structure. The movie just kind of goes and goes and goes. But I love how uh, the stakes were somehow still high. Obviously, it's not like Avengers level stakes here, but the movie is on such a small scale that little things like when Fern's car breaks down, she gets a flat tire. We're like, oh my gosh, oh no. Or when her van um, really breaks down and uh, we learn that the cost of fixing it uh, almost is as much as uh, the worth of the car. Um, and she says, no, I, I can't get rid of my car. My, I, I live in my car. And uh, just seeing that these things are happening and we're wondering how is she going to get out of this? How is she going to make it to next week? How is she going to pay for her lifestyle? I feel like that was enough, the suspense, to keep me going. Um, but I totally understand what you're saying. The movie starts and it goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And strangely enough, that would really bother me in other movies. But in this one, it didn't so much, I, I guess you could say. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Is it because yeah. it was it had so many. I For me, it was I'm just going to mm-hmm. give you an answer and then want to hear yeah. yours. For me, it was because there were no big names in this film. Yeah. Because yeah. there were stories that I wanted to hear from real people about yeah. this. I think that's what it is. About this lifestyle, which borders on documentary. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't. Yeah. And I think by the end of the film, we all understand what it would be like to live that life. And- I think that's what it was. This movie was different than any other movie I saw uh, this past year. And that's because of the weird mix of fiction and nonfiction, which actually worked out so well. Um, you know, I looked into the behind the scenes and apparently, uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of non-actors here. You could easily spot a non-actor on camera when you see them. Um, and I guess they went through a process with the director where they kind of shared their stories with her. And then she kind of had them speak from the heart about their own stories, some of which were embellished a little bit and doctored a little bit for the for the film. But uh, yeah, they were really speaking from the heart. So when we saw these people, we know that they weren't, you know, performing and playing a character they were talking about their lives and so every time we saw someone else we kind of got a a peek into what their life is really like and it was really intriguing i thought and uh it's weird francis mcdormand alongside these other actors and actresses she blends in so well um and at the same time she also reminds us what a phenomenal actress she is. Uh, she barely says anything in this Her movie. Her physical acting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, how she walks, how she smiles, how she carries herself. All mostly in the face, though, too. It, it's yeah. just, it was really... All performance. All yeah. that performance. It's all performance-based. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, Kat, I let me this... ask you then. Uh, did oh. you think the movie was slow, though? Um, yes. Yeah. I thought it was definitely slow-paced, uh, which, again, I think... It's it's um, great quality and bad quality because there were some points in the movie where I would just fall off and get back in and feel like I didn't miss much. Mm-hmm. But then that's the beauty of the day to day life when you know you're just you're just living and experience uh, experiencing the day to day that of course Fern was experiencing. Uh, what about you, Will? What did you think of this film? This, I think, from what I can recollect, I think this is the first film that I was so captivated by the character of Fern and the moments of where it would be silent and 
I was just so curious, like, what are you thinking right now? Because the thing about this film is that I know, as you guys say, you know, not not tra- not the traditional, you know, three act, uh, and and saying that you know it was plotless. I don't know. I, I felt like there there was a plot to it. There's something that that for some reason that was that 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 really came through Francis McDormand's like physical acting that I was like there's something that like you're hiding there's something that like that you can really feel and there is grief like there's this grief that 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 she's um trying to run away from and whatnot obviously like from the the synopsis you know she she used to live in uh in a town in Vegas or in in, yeah in Nevada that doesn't exist anymore she lost everything Mm -hmm. and funny enough I've (laughs) I've watched so many YouTube videos on couples or individuals choosing to live life on the road with a custom-built Sprinter or just a regular van. I don't know why it's fascinated me recently, but like wondering what is their reason, you know? I can think of all the typical things, right? Like saving the finances, uh, not being tied down to debt. Mm-hmm. But I'll, but the thing that like um, that they, they would do it for is just the curiosity of being able to, can we, can I survive like this? Can I, mm-hmm. you know, try this and, and find happiness in it with, with little, whatever, you know? Have and you I, thought about doing that ever? I've, I have actually, I thought about like, man, if I owned a, cause I've seen so many different sprinter vans and cuss like the way they customize it and all that stuff. And granted all these YouTubers that post that their videos and their daily lives of literally what they do and what, whatever adventure they're on. It's kind of similar to like where in Nomad, like it's like they're, they're, it's not that it's plotless, but it's just you just kind of see into their lives, right? Yeah. How they get by day by day. Yeah. And and that was the fascination, I guess, when I was watching Nomadland, and and the fact that yes, some of the non actors are actual uh, van dwellers. I thought, oh, that's that was something that kind of threw me off as well. So I feel like these people are actually real van dwellers for some reason. I guess yeah. it was just the way they talked. So it's it's so fascinating, but. The, the the tie in for the narrative that I found with with um, Fern's character is the grief that she was running away from, right? Yeah. It was the loss of her uh, of her husband as well. Like that was yeah. a big part of that and how she's dealing with it. Because yeah. I love the I love the uh, the line that where she says to uh, in one scene where she goes, you know, I like using the word houseless. I'm not homeless. I'm just yeah. a person without a, I chooses to have a place without a home, you know? Yeah. And, and cause she's a brilliant, brilliant uh, character in this film. You know, she's yeah. a hard worker. She's doing whatever she needs to do, like to, you know, to get by. She, she's living and she's surviving based off her needs. Yeah. And I yeah. just found that so fascinating. And maybe because yeah. of those ties of when I look at van dwellers and just that kind of lifestyle, because I think it's relatable only because of what we've gone through last year with COVID and the loss of jobs, people losing their homes and going broke. And then, and then you think, okay, what do I do if that happens to me? You know? And, and yeah. then, and then I watched this film. And I'm like, no, it's, it's possible. You can, you can still live. You still can like get by and, yeah, and also start over if you need to. So yeah, that's one of the things I loved about this movie is all these people, um, you know, all these characters or supposed real people that uh, Fern talks to, mm-hmm. they all had a traumatic event in their life that forced them out onto the road. And for all of these people, it's like it wasn't a choice. It was something that they just had to do. And, you know, I've 
also thought about what you thought about will mm-hmm. which is just it would be nice just to run away and just get on the road for a while um and that's something i think that we as comfortable people in homes we we dream and fantasize about doing that but for these people it's something that they had to do um and this is not just like a vacation but a actual lifestyle for the rest of their lives right and uh, i think it all sums it up in a quote at the end um, I don't. I forgot what the words were exactly, but before it cuts to, uh, to the credits, it says on the screen, "Dedicated to those that had to leave." Something along those lines. These people that were forced um, to make this decision to just leave everything and live it on their own because that was the only way they could have peace. There's something deeply sad yet hopeful about this movie. It's like people are running from from pain, but they're looking towards an open road where they don't know what's about to come to them and there's something at the same time excited about that and i think that's one of the reasons why i love this movie so much mm-hmm. is it's both sad and really hopeful i actually stopped this movie because i couldn't handle uh what i was feeling i was feeling things too intensely i know that sounds silly no, but uh yeah growing up like i i would have these fears and even just recently that you know this life that we live this level of comfort that we have um you know the the people around us that it could all just disappear and uh it's weird that i would think that and it might be irrational but sometimes i feel like all of our comforts and everything we have it's an illusion and it could all be gone and uh as i was watching this and as i saw fern have everything taken from her and she has to hit the road i couldn't help but just kind of think look at my own life and be like oh my gosh what if we're all just one event or one catastrophe away from having nothing you know then would we be in her shoes and that was all it took for me to be all in on the movie, all in on the character and be willing to kind of, I guess, follow her anywhere she went. Um, no, I was just going to say it was interesting also to see her like hold on to her, decide which belongings she wanted to take with her and then which to leave. And she holds on to these the dishes, plates yeah. that then they break and she tries so hard to put them back together and... You know, it's, it's almost like a metaphor for her trying to put together this life yeah. that she once had. Yeah. And it's still and we know she can do it, but, you know, it'll never be the same. But um, that's the grief going yeah. back to this. I mean, even Chloe Zhao says so in her speech when she got the award for best director. She says this movie is a journey through grief and healing. Mm-hmm. And we do see that. Um I did think it was a very honest and very heartbreaking um, uh, portrait of what the boomers are going through. I think they uh, that's the generation that's struggling the most to adjust to this fast-paced life that we are all living in. And I guess what Normal I'm trying to, to say society, is... probably, like what the norm is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that... You know that that's the one big part of the message. I think that people forget to realize that when they are when they do lose everything, they think, "Oh, what am I going to do now?" Like I think they forget you. You know, you're more capable than you think. You you know you you can acclimate and 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 you know we're survivors instinctually. You know, instinctively. Um, one of the most beautiful scenes I remember from the film was when Fern's one of Fern's good friends who had a terminal illness. Uh, you know, she basically, they were just expressing like how they didn't want to die with their dreams, you know, of, of traveling the country or whatever they like wanted to forever, like experience unfulfilled. You know what I mean? It's kind of like 
breaking the norm of, of the routine, typical routine of society of wake up, work, pay the bills, blah, blah, blah. It's like to them, it's, it's more than that. It's, 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 you're capable of being able to, um, do more, see more, experience more, feel more. Mm. It, it was just a beautiful scene where Fern's friend, um, you know, she's just how she elaborately and beautifully dialogued of swanky, ki- swanky. It? Yes. I think, yes. Yeah, swanky yeah. where she was kayaking and there are these birds, you know, that, that would nest and how they would fall and the sound, it was like the stillness first. Cause it was, you know, she would be by herself. But then the, once the birds, the baby birds leave their nest and the nest break apart and fall to the water, she just said, that's, I feel like I've seen everything and I can die right there and be happy. And, Oh man, my, 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 I got like teary a little bit when, when she went to go do that again and sends Fern the video of her back in the kayak and, um, and seeing the birds again and kind of like a last moment of like, I have found peace. I have found my peace. Correct me if I'm wrong, Myron, but I, I watched a couple of, um, some BTS of the shoot of, of Nomadland and mm-hmm. I was wondering was the majority of it too shot with natural light? Because the, the majority of the video or the BTS I would watch, I, I, I either only just saw a bounce or it was just shot at the right yeah. time. Yeah, I which made a it even, lot of it was. Yeah. Oh man, and and that was brilliant in and of itself as well. I was like, gosh, the things we can we can just do now to really tell a captivating story, and and especially with like a small crew like this too, you know. Uh, I mean, a lot of the footage I looked like was shot during magic hour. And personally for me, I, I would think that with a lot of the locations they shot at, for example, they were at the Badlands and I think they're in South Dakota. It would almost feel like a betrayal of, of what they're trying to capture. If they brought all these lights and a huge production crew, in. I felt like it would be a betrayal to the, to the source material almost. I definitely agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, just talking about favorite scenes. Um, some of my favorite scenes come from this, uh, come from like a comparison, a, a, a contrasting of what life is like for these people on the road and what life is like for people back at home. Uh, there's a moment where like Fern, her car breaks down and she's forced to have to take the bus back to her sister in order to borrow the money to pay for the car. Mm-hmm. And the sister offers her, why don't you just come live with us? And they have a nice house. They have a barbecue. And it's funny, but you know, we got so used to Fern's lifestyle that when she has to attend a, a barbecue with these people that she doesn't know and has to make small talk, it feels really uncomfortable, not just for her, but it's like we're feeling the discomfort mm-hmm. with her too almost. And then there's the other scene, of course, when uh, one of the only other actual professional actors in this movie, Davis Strathairn, he goes back to see his uh, grandson who was just born. He invites Fern out to visit. And then, uh, you know, whereas Fern can't wait to get away from the domesticated lifestyle, her friend David uh, is getting very comfortable and he makes the decision, maybe I should just stay here. Right. So constantly we're seeing that that push and pull, that compare and contrast of the comfortable life versus the life that nomads choose to live. And it was just really interesting to kind of see that and to see how all these other people fall by the wayside. But Fern keeps it going, keeps living the life. Right. So there was a key moment that you brought up when when Fern goes to see his sister. And that key moment was when they were dialoguing uh, uh, about her staying that when Fern left, like her sister was saying, I know that you were odd when you were young, you know, and, but 
it wasn't that you were odd. It was that you were brave to, to speak honestly, right? Whereas everyone kind of be, would be more reserved, right? And she said that when you left, and, and, and she also said, that's what kept me grounded. But when you left, you, you left a big hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm and like, she says, that's on me. That's, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, and I'm like, how much more honest can you get even with that, like, yeah. line? And I thought, what a contrast of what we're used to in our daily lives and the life that Fern is living. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is yeah. so brutally beautiful and honest. Yeah. I don't know. It gave me chills for that moment. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And for her in that moment too, it's like, she's a very proud person. She doesn't yes. like to admit when she's wrong. She, if anything, will run away and live her independent, free-spirited lifestyle. But when she tells her sister, that's on me and she's admitting wrong, that was like a, a chink in the armor that I thought was very interesting to see. In her, and that's the first time I thought that I saw that in her character. What did you guys think of the ending? I loved it. Um, mm. I, I thought, I kept asking myself, okay, this movie, this is one of those movies that just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. What would be a proper ending to this film? Yeah, right? yeah. And I felt like it just ended on that perfect note, you know? Uh, how she, well, you mean how she goes back home? Yes. To the house she, she used to live in. And, yeah. the, and the office. Yeah. And what was crazy, I don't know if you guys did this, but right when she walked in and she was like touching the table, the desk where maybe she used to work, like my mind went visually to where how everything would have looked in her old life. You know what mm. I mean? Like the helmets, her husband sitting there doing the paperwork, like that kind of imagery came in. And I felt like I was kind of seeing that through her as her eyes and her like look seemed to be recollecting that as well. The pace was just amazing. Yeah. And then when she leaves the gate, yeah, I think, I think it was just a perfect end. It was a really good yeah. ending right there. Yeah. Like she was able to I, finally let go in a way. Yeah. Do you think it's worthy of the of best picture on this um on the ballot for uh let's say this season's Golden Globes? For me, uh it most definitely is worthy. Yes. Um if I had seen this before we put out our top ten, it would have been number two on my list. Um right below the sound of metal and right before uh Minari. So most definitely. And here's why. Um, this movie, I think, is so powerful. And this is why I think Chloe Zhao deserves to win the Oscar as well. It is uh, a movie like this that isn't very plot-driven. Everything is beneath the surface. But when people aren't really talking about how they feel, and when things aren't being spoon-fed to you, if the entire movie is below the surface, there is a million different ways that certain scenes can be interpreted. But in this film, no. even though nothing is said, everything and everything is under the surface yeah. i feel like everything is being interpreted one way and that's the exact way the director wants you to interpret it and how they want you to feel um so in that sense i felt that she really had a masterful hand over this entire film and guided you along in a way that you didn't know you were being guided along i guess you could say and i think that's the power of the movie and why it hit so hard mm -hmm. yeah and the fact that i mean we're all on the same page with the way we feel about it and the way yeah. how it was being driven like that just shows yeah Chloe Zhao is like pretty much her brilliance in the yeah. way how she how she navigated yeah. this film for us. Well, let me turn that back around to you, Ken, and ask you that question. Uh, you asked us that, and we told you, what do you think? About the ending? No, no, no. Like, what do you think? Do you think this is worthy of winning um, at the Golden Globe and maybe even Best Picture at the Oscars? I would have to see the noms for... Um, 
best picture for the Oscars to have my pick. Um, for the Golden Globes, I think yes, um, especially for the time that we're in. It's it's absolutely perfect. So yes, I think um, I think it's de- it's definitely worthy of winning best picture. I see how some people will have a problem with it because it does feel slow and because it is so paced out, but that what that's exactly what the last year was <laughs> for all of yeah. us. All right, guys, that was our review of the film Nomadland. Let's go ahead and take it to the jury and offer our final reviews of the film. First off, uh, why don't you go ahead, Will? I I gave it at, actually at four because I thought, you know, I was just being hard-headed, thinking, oh, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect film, blah, blah, blah. But actually, like, talking about it and really recollecting on it, no, really, this, yeah. I, I mean, we didn't even talk about the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was beautiful, too. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well-placed cadence and just the whole, you know, uh, carrying this film was amazing. So I went from a four, and, yeah, I gave it a five. I think... It, it wow. just it just sparks my curiosity of a many of many things that I am, you know, going through right now, just as a personal curiosity. But you know, I ask myself, well, would I give it a five five years later if I watch it? Any kind of thing, like I would say, maybe. I still I, I think for what it is and how it's affecting my life now, yes, this is a, such a, a mm. great film for for mm. you know. Or for all intents and purposes, that's that's quite a jump. I mean, normally we we uh, like fluctuate between <laughs> like about a half star here and there, a full star. That's that's awesome. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, like I said, I was just being hard headed and thinking mm-hmm. there's no they, 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 there has to be some flaw. Yeah, like they were saying it's plotless. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, no, but there's a there's, there is like a plot. There is something driving like all the yeah. things that you guys are trying to like point out. I I I, t- I started com- like telling myself You're like defending the movie. I was <laughs> yes, I, yeah, basically. So. Yeah. I was like, why am I giving it a four? There's no, like, this is actually, yeah. Is it your number one movie of the year or no? I would say for a film that's unconventional and took a bold risk, I love that. And I would say, yeah, I would put this at number one. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. It, Interesting. But, but, but like we can point out and nitpick all the other little things, I guess, from a technical standpoint to whatever and everyone else, like the, the, to the pace of it. But I think for me personally, it was just how it affected me personally, uh, as a, as a narrative, you know, first and foremost. And, uh, and like I said, like, as we discussed earlier, the whole lighting situation, the whole camera, the editing, everything else was just so true to the narrative to also carry with the narrative as well. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. I think that yeah. like a film that does that, I mean, what more can I say? So, yeah. Great. All right. How about you, Kat? I also scored it lower um, when I first watched it because I'm a cynic <laughs> and, and <laughs> for all of the things that I try to bring up that I thought maybe didn't hit um, at first, but the more I sat with it and the more I talked to you guys about it, my rating went up and I think I'm somewhere between four and four and a half stars um, because it's hard for me to say what a perfect film for me is. I don't think this is it. I can't give it a five, um, but 
for everything that it is. Again, um, I think it's a standalone. It's timely. It's appropriate. It's poetry. It's beautiful. Um, not sure how many times I can rewatch <laughs> it. So I think I'm going to stick at 4.2. <laughs> Wait, remind All me, right. Kat, do we help you bump up soul? No, I think I dropped it down. Yeah, I think we, the more we tried to get her to bump it up, the more she dropped the score on that <laughs> mm, one, Will. Mm, so that one was a failure. Okay, but this one this one was a success. Okay, yeah. all right. I also give it a five. And um, this, and the reason is is uh, this movie just hits differently because of, of its mix of actors and non-actors and real stories with the plot of the movie. All of that, just the way that that come, came together just really affects affected me differently and for me to give a movie a five versus a four and a half or a four it has to resonate like deeply within me there has to be something about the subject matter that just makes me want to keep thinking about it and something that kind of pierces my my heart and kind of makes me look at life differently and question things about myself or you know my environment this movie absolutely does that is it a perfect film i couldn't find anything wrong with it and i'm sure at the same time, it's not perfect, but for me um, to say that is perfect, it's hard to say that. I won't say that is perfect, but I will say there wasn't anything wrong with the movie. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's perfect? I, I don't know. But uh, it, does, yeah, I give are it a you five. guys rewatching this again? I would, yeah. I mean, like, let me ask you, Myron. Does this make you want to go take a road trip right now, kind of thing? Oh yeah, for that, sure. That's I'm, literally yeah. I, I was googling Sprinter vans <laughs> and like seeing what I could do to it so I can take my wife and kids out on the road. I will point. send you Absolutely. links, bro. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've seen what people do with sprinter vans. It's pretty, pretty damn awesome, you know. I wouldn't shit in a bucket, but uh, I would definitely <laughs> no, buy no, a sprinter she, van. She's like really rough in it, you yeah. know. But I'm telling you, yeah. in like, I guess from the reality, like most of these YouTubers are getting their funding as well because of the YouTube views and whatnot. So that's why you see theirs. But yeah. man, the the sprinter van community, that whole customizing like and living off the grid and doing all that stuff, it's it's growing. It's it's surprisingly. Yeah getting bigger and bigger so yeah. surprisingly there's a pandemic i mean sure that too <laughs> i i guess but like yeah i mean you know what i mean cat come on now no i know i know i know um no i understand <laughs> yeah. all right that was our review of the film no Land. just like we said it is available to stream now on hulu we will be, we will be back next week with a review of the film news of the world directed by paul greengrass and we will also be discussing our top five paul greengrass films of all time Until then, of course, as always, we want to remind you that it's not so much the destination, but the things you watch and experience along the way. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.